Well, good morning. It's Christmas time again. Are you excited? I'm excited. I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love the, the reason for Christmas. I love family and friends and, uh, and, 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 I, and I love Christmas series uh, when we get to this point in time because it's always a challenge as a pastor, as, as a communicator to keep this season uh, fresh without it kind of falling into, well, I know what to expect on this Sunday, I know what to expect on this Sunday, and what to expect on this Sunday, because after all, it's Christmas. And so today we're starting a brand new series that's a bit unnerving. It's called The Naughty List. The Naughty List. Say that with me. The Naughty List. Dun, 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 right? It feels like there should be some, some ominous music behind it. And, and, I, and I know what you're thinking. Some of you may be thinking, you know, Trent, that's kind of a bummer. That's kind of a bummer. Like, it's Christmas, and I like to hear messages at Christmas time about Mary and Joseph, about the shepherds, and about the wise men, and about, you know, a star and a stable. Or at least have messages about hope and love and peace and joy. I got to be honest with you, trying to look at this, you know, this, this series, The Naughty List, and that just seems a little downright negative. And you know, Trent, there's a lot of negativity in the world. We don't need any more negativity in the world. How about some more positivity around the holidays? I know, I know, I know, I know. I know if that's what you're thinking. I get it, I get it, I get it. And, and I, I have to be honest with you, I would tend to agree with you. All right? So can, we, can I say that? I, I would agree with you. But as we start this year's Christmas series, The Naughty List, dum-dum-dum. I'm not going to say that every time I say The Naughty List. That would get really old really quickly. But as we start this new series, I promise you, if you'll lean into it, if you'll just, just fully embrace it, I think you'll get a lot out of it. And, and here's why. I'm, I'm just convinced that actually the more I th- I, I've spent time thinking and praying and planning and writing and getting ready for this series, I believe that this series has the potential to help you get the most out of this Christmas season, perhaps in a long time in your life, and maybe, maybe ever, because this series will serve as, as this, this huge, maybe at times over the top, reminder of why Jesus came to earth to begin with. And, and spoiler alert, it's because we needed him to. It's because we needed him to come. And, and so when I, when I say the words, the naughty list, all right, let's get started. I know it's coming. All right, all right, all right. We, we all know what that means, right? We've grown up with the idea, with the concept that, that at Christmas time, there is this, there exists these two lists, a, a naughty list and, and a nice list. And kids, you know, we've, we all grew up believing that we're either on the naughty list or the, not, or the nice list. And, and, and which list we are on is based on our behavior throughout the year. It's completely based on what we do during the year. And the whole idea, just doing a little bit of research, the whole idea of, of, 
of kids being naughty or nice uh, may be traced back to 16th century Holland. All right, this is what I found in my research. It could be wrong. Um, but, but back then, in the 16th century Holland, before there were stockings to hang by your chimney, parents placed their children's, for them, it would have been their clogs near the fireplace. And good children uh, would find on Christmas morning candy or cookies. I don't know why you would want that in your shoe, but that's what they would do. Um, bad kids, naughty children, would find what? A, a lump of coal, right? A lump of coal. So our concept, a little bit more of the American version of the naughty list is rooted in the song, what? Santa Claus is coming to town, right? We, we know it. That's kind of where we get that idea from, the, the idea of a naughty and nice list. It's from the, the song Santa Claus is coming to, to town, which was written actually in 1934. And, and you know the song, right? The song includes the, the lyrics, he's making a list, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty or nice, right? The song then goes on to say that Santa sees everything that boys and girls do. So, and here comes the warning, you better be good for, yeah, you better be good for goodness sake. And so, you know, when you boil it all down to the whole concept, the naughty and nice list, good kids get toys, bad kids get coal. So be good. Right? Be good. And, and, and that thought really is the, spring, excuse me, the springboard for this series that will ask and hopefully answer a bunch of, of good questions. And so this morning, I want to start with this question that maybe you've thought about, maybe you've had conversation about, maybe you've wondered about, maybe you've got a very strong opinion about, and it's this question. Are we, all of us, all of humanity, are we good people who occasionally do bad things, or are we bad people who occasionally do good things? Or put another way, using our branding for this Christmas series, do, do we start off on the nice list and then end up on the naughty list, or are we born on the naughty list? Are we born on the naughty list? See, most Americans would say that we are basically all good people who occasionally do bad things. That is a common thought. And if that's where you're at today, welcome. You're like most people. And it's that thought then that then leads people to conclude that being good is what we need to do to get in good with God, to, to get on to the nice list. And ultimately, being good is what we need to do in order to get to heaven. And, and a lot of people, they, though they may not say it out loud, but in their mind somewhere, they're thinking this throughout their life. I'm basically a good person. And for me, when I stand before God to argue my case, I'm simply going to explain to God, I'm going to make a list for God of all of the good things that I've done. That's humanity. That, though we may not say it that way, that's what most people think. We, we tend to believe 
that we are good people who occasionally do bad things. But here's the question. If that is true, and I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying that if it is true, then why are we so driven to do wrong when we know that we shouldn't? I mean, let's, let's think about it for a minute. If you're a good person, if I'm a good person, if we're all good people who simply occasionally do bad things, then I say to you, I challenge you, right? I, I, I ask you, why don't you just do good and just stop being bad? All right? Lust, anger, jealousy, pride, I mean, if you and I are inherently good, why can't we be consistently good? I mean, if it's true that we're all generally good people who do bad things, then why in the world can't we just do good all the time, more consistently? I mean, you know the things that get you in trouble, right? How many of you know the things that get you in trouble in life? You can identify them. Yep, that's what's gotten me in trouble time and time again. I mean, you know, how many of you know the things that you need to stop doing? So stop. Deal? I mean, that sure would make counseling a lot easier. You make an appointment with the counselor, you come in, you sit down, you say, here's my problem, here's what I struggle with. The counselor says, okay, cool, you've identified the problem. Since you're inherently a good person, stop it. Knock it off. Quit. That'll be $90, please. I mean, if that's the case, then we should be on a whole lot better place than we are. I mean, if you're a good person, just be good. And we could close in prayer right now, right? If that were possible. But that just isn't going to happen, right? That's just not going to happen. Why? Because we're just not good. We're just not consistently good. We, I mean, we try to be. Listen, I know you. I love you. I've watched you. I'm around you so much and I have been for so many years. We, you try. We try. We try to be good husbands and wives. We try to be a good mom. Try to be a good dad. We try to be good kids. We try to be good neighbors, good employees. We, 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 we try. But I think if we're just being honest, all of us know whether we're ready to admit it or not, whether we like to talk about it or not, we know I'm just not good for goodness sake. I'm just not good. And you know what God says? I know. I know. I mean, we don't like to admit it. It's countercultural. We we have a problem that runs very, very deep. And that problem is this. We are Help me finish it. We are, yeah, we are sinners. That's not a word we talk about a lot. We don't talk about it in culture, and and unfortunately, we don't talk about it enough in churches. We are sinners. We are not a sinner because we sin. Oh, no, 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 no. It's worse than that. 
It is worse than that. You and I, we, we are a sinner because of something that we have no control over. Because at the very core of our being, our very nature, we are sinners. We are, as the movie back years ago says, we are natural born sinners. If you haven't figured it out by now, we are born on the naughty list. We just are. We're born on the naughty list. I mean, have you ever, have you ever done something and thought to yourself, I don't know whatever, I don't know what came over me. Like, have you ever done something, said something, thought something, and thought to yourself, where did that come from? That's not like me. Something came over me. No, that's not the case. Something didn't come over you. Something came out of you. Every time, whenever you're tempted to think, that's not like me. Yes, it is like you. It's just like you, and it's just like me, because naturally speaking, it's who we are. It's why we can't stop lusting. It's why we can't stop being jealous. It's why we can't stop talking bad about people. It's why we can't control our finances. I mean, you want to. We want, we want to, but we, we just can't. We can't. I mean, we see it. We can see sin. And you know that it is wrong. Something that, that you would never want your husband to do or your wife to do or your boss to do or your children to do, yet you run to it. And somebody else might come to you and say, why are you doing this? Why are you thinking this way? Why are you acting this way? And if we're being brutally honest, we would have to say, because I want to. I want to. It's who I am. Don't you know it will hurt you? Y yeah, I do. D don't you know that you're going to regret it? Yeah, I, I know I will. Then why are you doing it? It's because there is something deep inside of us, so strong, that it drives you and me past common sense. It drives us beyond the realm of, of wisdom and reason. It pushes us past our own established morals. It drives me beyond my own stated convictions. I just wanted to do that. I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to think that. I just wanted to be like that. And you do it. And then you regret it. And you feel guilt and you feel shame. And then the next day, the next week, or maybe even the next moment, you do it again. Press pause. Aren't you glad you came to church today? And you're all thinking, I should have stayed with my family today. This is a bummer, Trent. You're, you're really bumming me out. This is Christmas. Stick with me. I promise. I, I promise it's going to get better. But, but in order for good news to be good news, the, the bad news has to be felt. It ha we, we have to carry some weight. And like I said at the beginning, I want this to be the best Christmas ever. And, and if it takes me reminding us why Jesus ultimately had to come in the first place, 
I'll run the risk of being the, you're kind of bumming me out today, Pastor Trent. I'll be that guy, all right? But again, in those moments, in those moments when, when there rises up something inside of you that says, this is wrong, and we recognize it is wrong, but we still want to have our way, if you could just somehow press pause and ask yourself, man, what is that? What is that? What is it that, that wants to put its claws around my neck and, and, and drag me in this direction that I know I ought not be going? God says, I, I know what it is. We, we may have theories, but you and I have been created by God who knows the root problem. And God knows that the root problem is sin. Sin. It's not a mistake. We live in a world where we don't talk about sin. We talk about, well, I made a mistake. Celebrities are famous for talking about the mistakes that they make and going public with the, the mistakes that they've made. Politicians talk about, the mist- I made a mistake. Nah, listen, a mistake is something that you add up wrong on a math problem. Oh, look, I didn't move the decimal over. I made a mistake. That, that, that's a mistake. But we need to get back to the point, and I know it's counterculture, but we need to get to the point where we're willing to simply say, the problem isn't that I don't have enough self-control. The, pro- the fundamental problem is not that, that, that I'm just not committed enough. The fundamental problem is that we were all born on the naughty list. We were born sinners. And when I use that term, the naughty list, that's what I mean. We are born sinners. And a lot of us just don't want to admit it. It just comes naturally. I mean, over the holidays, observe your children, especially if you've got young children or grandchildren. Listen, watch them. You don't have to teach them how to hit. You don't have to teach them how to be disrespectful. You don't need to show them what selfishness looks like. All of that comes natural to them. We have to teach them through that. We don't need to teach them to do that. I mean, we can say we're not perfect, but to say there's something wrong with me, that I have a fundamental problem that I can't seem to fix myself, and that's tough. That's tough. But we all need to sit in this today, just for today. We, we need to sit in this reality and come to the grips that you are not born a good person who occasionally makes mistakes. We're born on the naughty list. Right? We're born on the naughty list. Now, Merry Christmas, everybody. That's a mighty long introduction. But if you don't believe what I've just told you, I want us to see the Apostle Paul's words that he wrote some 2,000 years ago to a church in Rome that sheds some more light and hopefully is an exclamation point to us this morning about what I'm trying to remind us of, and maybe for some here, convince you of, about who we really are at the core of our being. If you have your Bibles, open to Romans chapter 5. The book of Romans, I I have no doubt, is the greatest theological um, treatise ever written. It's It's the greatest theological document ever written, however you want to describe it. 
The, the first part of the book of Romans is, is mostly um, Paul reminding, showing, pushing this church in Rome to consider the reality of who they really are apart from Christ. I mean, it's his way, the first part of Romans, it's his way of telling this church that they're all on the naughty list, they're all sinners, and there's nothing that they can do about it. And we're not going to make this a study through the book of Romans, but I want us to just kind of drop in on some of the things that Paul had to say to the church as he was writing this letter to them a couple thousand years ago. In Romans chapter 5, he has just finished a couple of sentences uh, in, in Romans 5 where he's talking about the peace that we have because of Jesus and, and you're reading that and like, yes, I, I have peace with God. I, I, can, I can experience grace and hope and, and glory because of what Jesus did for me. And then in verse 6, he kind, of, he, he kind of shifts gears and points them back to a reality about themselves. So he, it's like, okay, remember, you, you can enjoy this, but, but let's, not, let's not forget this other piece of the puzzle and that's what I want us to jump into in, in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6, where Paul says this to them. He says to the church in Rome, and he says to us, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for, perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He talks about the right time. And again, Christmas, this is the, the time of the incarnation that it was during this time that God sent his son and wrapped him in humanity that the right time Christ came. But make no mistake about it, Paul goes on to say that the reason that he came was for the ungodly. Did you see that in verse 6? That he came to die for the ungodly. And again, we don't like that. He didn't say that Christ came to die for those who sometimes make mistakes. He, he didn't say that Christ came to die for those who who aren't perfect and needed a little nudge in my direction. He didn't say that Christ came to die for, for those, you know, just in case they needed a lifeline someday. No, he said, I, I, I sent Jesus. Jesus came to die for who we really are, ungodly. That's all of us. We're all in the same boat. And then in verse 8, he says that he came for us while we were still sinners. Not just sinning. Sinning is not just what we do. It's not just the verb. It's, it's, it's the adjective. It, just, it describes who we are. We are sinners. You're not a sinner because you sin. At the very nature, the fundamental nature of who we are, we are sinners. Let's keep reading verse 9. It says, but since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. 
And we're not going to unpack a ton about the wrath of God, but understand this, that because we're on the naughty list, we deserve God's wrath. We deserve his judgment. Because we are ungodly, because we are, on, un, we are all sinners, we are the target of the wrath of God. Well-deserved targets of the wrath of God. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And again, here's the word that we don't like. Paul tells the church in Rome and us today that we are enemies. Enemies. And, and I don't like that. You don't like that. And some might say, hold on, Trent. Like, I'm not, I'm not an enemy of God. That's offensive. I love God. I'm good with God, and I think God is good with me. I, I hear you, and, and I understand that sentiment, but, but we're talking about what Paul, the apostle, under the inspiration of God's spirit, had to say to a church at Rome, and because of that to us as well 2,000 years later. That, that we are all ungodly, we are all sinners, we are all enemies of God, targets, recipients, well-deserved recipients of his wrath. It's our identity. And again, just feel that for a minute. Sit in that for a minute. We need to understand this Christmas that before anything else, when you entered into this world, you entered this world a sinner. You came into this world predisposed to doing evil, doing bad, because it is your nature. It's my nature. It's our nature. That's why we need laws and we need policemen. Again, the question, why can't we be consistently good if we are inherently good? Well, the answer is, God says you are not inherently good. You're not inherently good. And you might say, why not? Why can't I just be, in, why can't I just be good? Well, I'm going to keep reading. We're going to find out. Look in verse 11. Paul continues. He says, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's, that's running ahead of the good news. Come back to verse 12, which is back to where we want to sit today. <clears throat> Paul says this, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death came to all men because of his sin. See, if we want to illustrate it, this is Adam. And because of Adam, this is us. Elsewhere, Paul actually uses this language that we are in Adam. That's how we're born. We're born in Adam. He, we are a part of him. The decision that Adam made corrupted all of us. Adam's decision 
to turn away from God made all of humanity by nature enemies of God, sinners according to God, at odds with God. Something happened to him when he sinned. He became something that he was not before he sinned. And everyone who came into the world after him was affected by sin. Every once in a while, you'll see in the news a story of some kind of a chemical or radioactive waste that gets spilled in a river and the news story always talks about the potential danger for residents who live miles and miles and miles away from where the spill took place, right? And you know where I'm going with this. Why is that? Because the spill doesn't just affect the spot. It affects the whole river. It, it, it just runs downstream, and, and, and I know that might be an, an oversimplified way to think about it, but it's an accurate way to describe it. Because of sin, Adam's sin, it affected all of humanity. All of humanity has been affected by his sin. It's not fair, Trent. I wasn't there. I wouldn't have taken the fruit. I would have done the right thing. Well, we can have a conversation about that. I doubt it, but you do you. You go ahead and think that if you want, right? And, and we may think it's not fair, and, and you might be right, it's, it may not be fair, but it's still true. It's still true. And again, I, I don't want to make light of this reality, but, but we've all been heartbroken by hearing stories of babies who are born to drug-addicted mothers, Right? We, we, we recognize that that happens. That moms who are drug addicts and get pregnant pass on the addiction to their children. It's not the baby's fault that mom was addicted to drugs, but the baby still has to bear the consequences. As the mother goes, so goes the child. So, Adam's sin that alienated him from God, that caused him and Eve to be cast out of the Garden of Eden, that, that, that affected all of the world, broke the world, broke us too. It, it's, it's part of our DNA. It's why we say that we are not good people who occasionally do bad things. We are sinners by nature even before we commit our first sin. I'm going to keep reading. Verse 13, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. Right? It was in the world with Adam. It's when sin entered the world. The law, the, the law was not given. It was already there. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Verse 14, Yet death reigned, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Again, before the law was was even given, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. And then he says this, who was a type of the one to come. Adam was a pattern of someone 
who alone had the ability to undo what, what Adam did. To fix up what Adam messed up. To take those of us who are natural born sinners, born on the naughty list, unable to get ourselves off of it, and change the trajectory of our lives. One who could take the, the fact that we are all in Adam when we're born and move us out of this state into a completely different state. Completely different place. And, and we know the answer to the question, who is it? But we're not going to talk about it today. Because like I said this morning, if Christmas this year is going to have weight for you, if you're going to have the best Christmas ever, then, then maybe, and this is just where, where as your pastor, I, I want to stretch you a little bit. Maybe just sitting for a few days in this reality that I'm, I was born in Adam and there's nothing that I can do about that. I'm a sinner by nature and I can't get off the naughty list. Maybe we just need to be reminded of that reality for a few days. See, today I, I want to leave us a little bit uncomfortable. We watch TV shows that have cliffhangers to be continued. Come back next week for the rest of the story. Come back next week to hear the, the opposite side of this equation. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to come back next week. And if you're watching online because you're traveling, be in the room next week so that we can remind ourselves of the, the flip side of being in Adam. But for this week, as our worship team comes, <laughs> and I'm, tol I'm told you, I'm, I'm, it's uncomfortable for me right now to leave this message unresolved but I'm going to leave it unresolved because I want you to come back next week and we'll resolve it next week. But I, I, I know this. I know that many of us are, we are we, I know the story. I know what's, I, nah, pff, I get it. Pretend like you've never heard this story before. Pretend like all this is new to you, okay? And, th and this week, just feel the weight. Feel the weight of who we really are and why we really need Christmas in our lives. If you're a guest with us today, um, again, we are glad that you're here and, and we invite you to come back. We, we have this solution to what we're talking about. We, we can offer a solution to the problem of sin. And if you're anxious and like, tell me, I need to know what the answer is. Let's talk today. Let's talk this week. Or you can come back next week and we can, we can unpack the scriptures together some more and get to the solution to this issue that we all, all find ourselves in the middle of. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this day. We're grateful 
for this season. And, and God, we, we want to, and I know everything in me wants to run ahead to the, to the rest of the story. We, we want to get the, to the good stuff. But God, good news is not good news unless we feel the weight of the bad news. And God, today we just wanted to be honest about who we are apart from you, who we are by nature. And God, I pray this week that, that it, would, it, would, it would unsettle us, that we would be willing to, to remind ourselves of just who we are apart from you. And may it compel us to lean in more and more to what this season really is all about because we desperately need someone to come and remove our names from that naughty list that, that, that needs someone who has the ability to, to move us from our natural state of being in Adam. And I pray, um, God, for those of us who have friends and neighbors and loved ones and people that we care about this Christmas, may, may we be burdened for them and pray for them this week and think about them this week and, and talk to them this week about you know, what we know to be the solution to the problem that we all have to face when we look in the mirror. God, we love you. Use our response time to, to cause us to think more. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand, and, and, and at the end of our gatherings, we always sing, not just to put a bow on our service, but to, to respond to what God has said to us, whether it's just in personal prayer. Maybe we want to tap a friend on the shoulder, and we, we say, hey, I've got something I need you to pray with me about. But let's make sure that we're, we're using these next couple of songs to just, again, respond however God's asking you to, uh, to what we've, just, what we've just heard. Let's stand and sing together.